Welcome to Supply Circles, stories from the innovators, disruptors, and improvers in supply chain management today, brought to you by AI Group. Yes, indeed. Hello, I'm James Scotland, General Manager of Supply Chain Resilience for the Australian Industry Group. And in this podcast, I ask the question, how do we as business managers in Australia build modern, sustainable and resilient supply chains at a time when we're facing the three Ds, you know them, rapid digitalization in order to keep up with our peers and the rest of the world, the race to decarbonization by 2050 and ongoing disruptions. And disruptions come in many forms, not just pandemics, but industry disruptions, product disruptions, inflation, uh, global transport issues, so many more. We've got to face all of these things at once and still build modern, sustainable, resilient supply chains. To help us answer these questions, my guest today is a renowned industry leader in the advanced manufacturing industry in Australia and in the emerging sectors of the global defence industry. He is not only a leader in the current parts of the industry, he's also helping Australian businesses identify new ways of operating and identifying new revenue streams. My guest is the erudite, the knowledgeable, the always impressive Michael Sharp. Hello, Michael. G'day, James. Good to be with you, mate. Yeah, good to have you and thank you for your time. It's great to get a chance to talk with you. You're doing so much, it must be difficult to to fit it all in. There's certainly a lot of change happening right across the country, but uh, it's always a privilege to get out on a factory floor and talk to the business leaders themselves and see what's happening on the ground. Um, But it's just a bonus to be able to then connect them to other other companies and researchers and see that transformation that you touched on there. It's just uh, it's an exciting time to be in Australian manufacturing right now. Yeah, let's get to that. I'm keen to talk about the developments in manufacturing in Australia uh, and also to hear from you about the possibility of a nuclear industry in Australia. A fascinating area. Next week, Michael and I will be in Penrith, New South Wales for the launch of the AI Group's Defence Supplier Network in the Penrith region. So I thought it was timely to chat about defence, about manufacturing and emerging opportunities. But before we start that, I want to let everyone know that AI Group now has a new monthly newsletter called Economic Intelligence. It's an online monthly news, uh, monthly magazine full of insights and analysis of the key economic issues of that month. It's timely, it's relevant, and you'll like it. So if your supply chain management and planning could be improved by up-to-date and insightful economic news, head over to AI Group's website and search for Economic Insights or get the monthly newsletter direct to your inbox each month. Just ask the AI Group economics team to add you to the email list by sending a request to economics at aigroup.com.au. Now, Michael, you have a fabulous CV. You've been described as an active member of the Australian community, a dedicated volunteer, a proven business leader, a highly successful family businessman, and you've been described as committed to improving the opportunities for all Australians. That's just a fabulous overview. But but put it in your words, what's the Michael Sharp story? How did you end up here today? Well, the family business side of things does play a big part. In my own family, we've been for generations involved across a range of Australian industry, everything from infrastructure through to manufacturing and, and so much more. Um, but family business plays such a big part in Australian industry in general, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, from yeah farming, absolutely. Farming and agriculture through to, you know, the company setting up in the space industry today. 
Um, you know, we've been through so much change. You've talked about what's happening now, but when you think about family companies who have been around for generations, you know, when COVID first hit, some of the things that happened was around um, looking at supply chain resilience and what could we make in Australia. You've seen things like the Made in Australia campaign go through the roof, which is pretty cool. Um, but at the time, the department was reaching out to me and saying, hey, Sharpie, it looks like we might need some emergency hospital beds. And this is around the time that you had the pop-up hospitals in New York at Central Park and people were getting concerned. Well, I reached out to a good mate, Gary Beard from AH Beard, who for generations have made those mattresses and uh, bedding supplies. And I said to Gary, it looks like we're going to need a lot of uh, mattresses as part of building this emergency hospital beds. Uh, could you play a part? But the catch is uh, there's a chance and there's talk of that state borders might shut down. Now, <laughs> who would have thought that was possible just a few years ago? But that's what happened. Uh, and thankfully, AHB have factories in each state. And so ah. that, built, that built that resilience into their supply chain. And they were able to uh, help be part of that project to make emergency hospital beds. It was a great news story. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a story of not only good family businesses being set up and prepared for all sorts of things, which they didn't know they were prepared for, but also the fact of being of having connectors like yourself who can, who can bring the whole thing together. There's so much about supply chain where it's knowing people, knowing how to connect, knowing how to, to look outside the square. You've been uh, involved in manufacturing for quite some time. Recently, as the Director of Industry for the Australian uh, Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre, the AMCG. Now, in our last podcast, when I was talking to Paul Hodson, I said the same thing to him. It must be a pretty easy job to be in advanced manufacturing because isn't advanced manufacturing dead in Australia? Isn't manufacturing <laughs> dead? Didn't we go to the funeral a few years ago? Well, this is the thing, see, and I guess, again, it's going to come back to my analogy with family business because you think about um, Varley in Newcastle, the Varley company has been over, over, yeah, yeah. over 130 years and still owned by the family today. Um, but think of all the ups and downs that that company must have been through. AHB, similar time frame. Uh, in my own family business, you know, you think about the recessions and um, the different um, times that you go through to make your business tough, to, to ride out those humps and hollows. But if you look at Varley, you know, um, George Varley started that business 132 years ago um, by uh, fixing steam boilers on sailing ships, fitting them up to for this new steam power which, if you like, it's Industry One, the first generation of uh, transformation. We saw people coming off the land and it, it changed the whole world, didn't it? Not just Australia. Mm. Um, but then Industry 2.0, you know, think about Henry Ford and the change that he brought to global manufacturing with mass production. And it was any car you want and any colour you liked as long as it was black. Um, but he changed it and the rest of manufacturing followed suit. So think about the wars that they've been through, the Great Depression, um, but the, the strong and the agile companies do thrive through these times. They find new ways of doing things, building their supply chains to modify uh, their current production, uh, and then thriving through to the next the next boom time. We see it time and time again through generations. Uh, but these companies, like Varley, uh, have proved that Australian manufacturing is resilient. Um, but it's, it's also around the skills and training. You know, Industry 3.0. Uh, pretty much when I was at school, you know, everyone was saying that computers were going to change everything and we won't have any need for um, paper in the office. Bill Gates put out a book called Business at the Speed of Thought. And I'm not sure about you, mate, but I've got plenty of paper laying around on my desk. <laughs> so <laughs> not everything works out the way you think it will. 
but it does transform. And so think about the times now when uh, Industry 4.0, which is what we've been evangelizing around this digital transformation of manufacturing, just think for yourself. I mean, 15 years ago, the iPhone did not exist. Uh, it's only 12 years ago that the first Tesla motor car came off the assembly line. And I'm not sure about you, mate, but I hadn't heard of Zoom until COVID lockdowns came along, and here we are. Um, you know, I can do a lot of calls, and you've seen me out there in the, what I call the mobile Zoom studio. So I'm in the car, and uh, it doesn't matter where I can be. I can pull over on the side of the road and talk to as many people as needed to get the message out there. It really is uh, a changing time. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole new world. In fact, um, uh, you know, for the, <laughs> for the kids, uh, I'm not a kid anymore, but... Uh, I think there's quite a few kids that would be surprised to learn that on their iPhone there's this green button where you can actually talk in real time to another person. You can actually just <laughs> speak. You know? uh, it doesn't have any doesn't have any video and you can't text or anything, but you just talk to each other. They would probably yeah. say, "What did you, What do you use that for?" <laughs> and that's, a, that's you raise a good point because one of the things I've noticed uh, when I travel around the country and talk to business owners is um, there's still a lot of companies out there that don't even have a website. So I see a lot of potential around promotions and social media and, and other uh, online products like that to promote their business, uh, which will encourage the kids to want to get involved. The first thing these kids are going to do is pick up their iPhone and see what that company's up to. And if they can see a good news story or new technology or some sort of case study that that company's involved with, that's going to encourage them and they can show their parents and they might want to go and talk to that business owner and get involved with that company and start a career. So all these new tools that come along are vitally important and we need to embrace the technology. Last year, I went to a, a meeting in the Art Gallery of New South Wales in Sydney, which is just a fabulous place and a beautiful place to have a meeting. But there was uh, a two um, colonel equivalents from the US Defence Force. Uh, one was Marine and one was, I think, Army. Uh, and they were um, both PhD scientists and their job was to set up for the uh, U.S. Defense Force this unit that uh, could find uh, the latest, latest gizmo, basically. And the idea was that uh, they could spend 10 to 15 years developing a new technology uh, for the Defense Force, uh, or they could just go into the normal community and there's all this stuff already out there. Uh, they gave the example of they were trying to trying to develop a tool that could track planes at night across a, a bay. You know, they could they could sort of try and try and figure out where this bay was, uh, where this plane was was tracking across a, a, a bottle a body of water. And one of the sailors said, "Oh, I'm just doing it on my iPhone." Incredible! <laughs> That's incredible. So they're now looking at normal, just normal life, and saying, "What can we bring into defence rather than defence creating all this new stuff?" It, yep. brings us to, it brings us to advanced manufacturing, this area that you've been doing a lot of work in, in advanced manufacturing. And we learned a lot of things over COVID. One of the things we learned during COVID was that businesses that had prepared their digital strategy and had started moving towards a digitalized business were in much better position to handle the, the lockdowns, the, the not able to get to people because they had uh, a a better response by having better knowledge, but also by all the dumb, dangerous, repetitive tasks were already being moved over to machinery. How how good is Australian business at advanced manufacturing? Uh, we're going very well. Um, there's always more room, you know, for improvement. But the companies that I've been privileged to get out and meet with, um, and who have engaged in robotics and automation, 
These are the companies that are thriving. These are the ones that you set as an example. I know that you see them too, um, but I think of Chamberlain Group at Gosford uh, who installed robotic cells into their uh, assembly process. Um, they're employing more people. We often hear this talk from uh, our communities about the robots are going to take all the jobs. Well, I'm sure when Henry Ford had mass production, people would have said, oh, what, what about our jobs? And yet here's the Ford family still today involved in the Ford Motor Company, and it's a global concern. Um, so I guess in a uh, practical way, I had a lot of companies saying to me that robotics welding technology would be a nice thing to have pre-COVID, so three or four years ago. You know, it sounds good, I'm, I'm interested in it, but I'm really not ready to invest. But right now, I can tell you, we have such a shortage of welders right across the country um, that people are ringing saying, how can we get involved with this robotics welding? I, I really, I need it now. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of catch-up happening. But thankfully, we've got places like the Facility for Intelligent Fabrication down at uh, the University of Wollongong. They're doing great work. They're leading the world in robotics welding technology. And so I've been able to bring groups of people from Albury and Wagga and other places to come into Wollongong, meet the researchers, talk about what's possible. Uh, sometimes they can bring along some of their own product and say, you know, put this on the bench and see what your robots can do with it. Um, but then it's a practical way that they've met the researchers, they've put their problem in front of these great minds. And then together, working together, they come up with a solution. This is the yeah. good news. It's, it is the good news, that connection between research. By the way, you mentioned Varley before, and I should, I should say hello to Victor, uh, my mate from Varley Defence. And for people who don't know Varley, I'm, we'll, we'll get on the show soon, but, but Varley came from that welding steam, uh, steam containers. Now they make the incredibly advanced ambulances that you – I can't say that word, you know – uh, that you see on the streets and they do it for defence with this massive technology in a on a Mercedes um, a bed uh, and it's just high tech made by a uh, family-owned company in Newcastle, a great success. I'm sure George Varley wouldn't even recognise the family business today. They've got over a 1,000 people around the country. Um, they're now into defence projects as well, which I'm sure we're going to touch more on because you know right now we have the largest defence budget in our country's history. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And and and, and they are a, a prime example of uh, when you have a revenue stream that can be used in, in another industry such as defence, work work in aligned industries. Back to uh, back to advanced manufacturing. Whilst you were at the Australian Manu Manufacturing Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre, I always get that wrong because I just call it <laughs> AMGC. Yep. The latest report said that there was one hundred and thirty seven million dollars of uh, project co funding that was estimated to bring in $1.6 billion of new revenue to Australian manufacturing. I think that's underestimated because of uh, the, the digitalised businesses did very well during COVID. Uh, but you had helped companies get involved in such things as additive manufacturing, sometimes called um, oh, what's, what's that 3D printing. 3D printing. Yep. Um, adva advanced composites. Artificial intelligence, augmented reality, robotics, automation, so much more. Really smart companies that are, are moving with the times. How do companies that you're talking about that don't even have a website, how do they start getting computerized? How do they start getting digitalized? How do they start the journey? And this is the part I say about working together. You know, it might not necessarily be your local chamber of commerce because quite often people tell me they don't really care what the local hairdresser or the post office is doing. Um, but, so we really need to encourage manufacturers to come together. And when we see that happen, that's when the magic happens. 
Um, so companies like Red Arc Electronics in Adelaide um, doing great things and they've taken off during COVID because suddenly everyone was buying caravans and that's a big market for them. But they've now uh, evolved into defense and space projects as well. Um, so these are the standout companies and they can be a model for others to follow. So it's building this ecosystem. It's bringing people together. And I just love doing that because um, when people can share their stories, they're more than happy to. Uh, but I see examples of I'll go to a small um, community and there might be two um, factories doing similar work, uh, but they might say, I've got a shortage of uh, welding. I can't get enough people here to come and do the welding part. And I'll say, have you talked to your neighbor down the street? You know, perhaps you can share resources. And that's, that's again, when you can really make a difference. Um, these people don't necessarily talk to each other, but once you can make that introduction, show them what's possible, um, these are the things that can be transformational. And it's not just for that own, that their own business, it's for the community in general. It's, um, manufacturing plays such an important role in Australia, and it will do for many generations to come, I have no doubt. Good, you're, you're almost like a, a walking ad for AI Group. Uh, Red Ark are, <laughs> are great members of uh, our, our South Australian branch. Hello to Mike and all the team down there. Um, the, uh, one of the things I was reading recently was uh, that the uh, Americans passed a thing called the Inflation Reduction Act uh, and it had a whole bunch of stuff. It didn't really have a lot to do with inflation. It had a lot to do with restructuring uh, their economy. And they also passed the Chips Act, which is about building um, silicon chips in America. But what uh, – some people from the Economist magazine said that America is re-industrializing whilst decarbonizing. They see this idea of decarbonizing the economy as an opportunity to re-industrialize. Do you think that's an opportunity for Australia? No, no doubt, no doubt whatsoever. Uh, but the broader opportunity is for us to work with our friends in America and open up these gateways to uh, share resources, share skills, uh, and share technologies. Um, so, you know, they're talking big bucks in the States, there's no doubt, um, but we can be a part of that. And through AUKUS, which we'll touch on as well, uh, these new defence partnerships that are uh, happening right now, these are the new relationships that will only grow. Um, there's so much opportunity coming down the pipeline and a lot of money. Um, but Australian ingenuity has always played a part uh, around the world. And I know that there's much more that can be done. My own family history is in infrastructure and road construction, road maintenance. There's a lot of infrastructure build about to happen across the states around bridge replacements and building new tunnels and uh, just simple roads and footpaths that need replacing. Um, so Australia will follow suit um, because infrastructure plays such a key part. And when you talk about supply chains, we need good connections, don't we? So um, I might just touch on here, mate, around what I think around fast rail and high-speed rail networks. Yeah, you've seen recently, well, you've seen recently a lot of news articles around high-speed rail for Australia. I think the one missing link that I still don't see uh, is around freight. And so I think freight on high-speed rail networks can play a big part and can really change the economics. And this would help Australian supply chains because we've got great distances to cover. If we can accelerate the speed and make those connections faster, um, of course, that would make a difference. But we're seeing this freight rail on high-speed networks happen in places like China. Um, European nations are starting to look at this uh, capability. And so I think Australia can very quickly catch up. Um, this is the benefit of um, having such an uh, innovative country. And we've always had the can-do attitude. And as long as the economics stack up, um, we can use new technologies to make a difference right here at home. 
When I was a, a young man, I worked in freight for many years, for over a decade. And uh, whilst I was there, we were talking about uh, a, uh, a very fast train between Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, and apparently they were going to call it the VFT, a very fast train. <laughs> the engineers didn't spend much time on the marketing. Uh, but, but then they talked then about having a, a very fast freight train, which surprisingly was going to be called the VFFT, the very fast okay. freight train. Um, the, the issue is, uh, and I, I understand, is that whilst it happens in other parts of the world, the problem is the size of Sydney and Melbourne is not big enough to justify building a whole new train line. You can't just put a, a VFT on the existing uh, track, I understand. You have to build a new one. So that could be a challenge. But opposed to that, there were some reports out earlier this week uh, from uh, Innes Willock's our CEO of inefficient ports and particularly moving freight through those inefficient ports, like mm. the on-ground part of it, was costing something like $4 billion a year. Like it was a crazy number. So we yeah. have to find a solution, don't we? Some not just to be better on the port, but out of the port. Port Botany, getting out of Port Botany is a is a bit of a nightmare for everyone. Well, you've seen the recent change for containers out of Newcastle Port, um, currently the largest coal export terminal in the world. Um, but in New South Wales, there's projects being set up uh, called the Special Activation Precincts. So if I think about places like Moree and Narrabri in, in regional Australia, um, these new industrial parks that are planned could be set up with uh, green energy uh, to power manufacturing uh, because that's going to become more and more important around you know, the new carbon economy uh, and Europe in particular. If we can have the green tick to go with our products to export, that'll be important. So if we can set up uh, new uh, energy through microgrids and other uh, technology that's out there, uh, this would be good for manufacturing in regional Australia. But then it's going to be that rail connection to the port of Newcastle if we can improve uh, capability uh, to get more goods onto transport and down to the uh, terminals. Uh, that's going to increase efficiencies uh, no end uh, and then get it out to the world because 25 million people in Australia is uh, not a very big market. But when you think of 7 billion people around the world, uh, I think we all want to be a part of that action. And we live in an island. We, can't, we have to trade. We can't just sell and buy amongst ourselves. We're not America. We have to, we, we have to trade. The, the, a fundamental of it. And uh, by the way, the Inflation Reduction Act in America says that uh, companies, uh, countries that are basically friends of America can, can assist and we're a friend and there's opportunities to get into some of that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the report, by the way, the, the financial review quoted the World Bank is saying that uh, the Singapore port, which you probably know, you've probably flown over that and see all those boats sitting at, all those ships, I think they're called, sitting at the sea. <laughs> Um, is the 31st most efficient in the world. Melbourne is 294. Okay. Port Botany is 321. They're not good numbers. And this is efficiency. This is talking about efficiency. And they're small ports. So that might have a bit, a bit, of, bit to factor in. They're not, they're not you know, monsters like, like uh, Long Beach. But yeah, we've yep. got to fix that. We've got to fix that if we're going, we're going to, to really be part of the future world economy and uh, and scored out. You raise a good example there when you when you say Port Botany because that's um, Australian Ingenuity set up the um, uh, field robotics technology there for the containerization, moving them around. Uh, so a lot of automation at Port Botany. Um, now that that same field robotics technology and, and other 
technology to go with it was responsible for the self-driving dump trucks over in Western Australia. So you've seen on the news how those dump trucks, some 350 tonnes, are driverless and controlled from a room in Perth. Um, the big transformation even further to that now is around the Australian space industry. And we're both seeing a lot of change in that sector. Um, this Australian Space Agency, it's fair to say, is still in its infancy. It's only a few years old. Um, but that same field robotics technology that's being used at the Port of Botany and being used in our mining sectors in Western Australia uh, can, can work into the space side of things for projects on the moon and all this NASA moon to Mars mission. So that gets exciting then. And that's the sort of news we need to share with the next generation coming through our schools to want to get involved with manufacturing. We need to encourage the next generation to want to be a manufacturer, to work with some of these great minds that can not just work at the ports and not just be involved with mining, but could potentially be involved with space. Now, this is Australian manufacturing today. This is what I get involved with. And that's why I want to leap out of bed every day and do it all over again. We will uh, we'll talk about um, space and AUKUS after the break. You and I have both been we've probably done it together, been to factories that are modern. Um, it, it's not the old style of, you know, dirty and dark and, you know, <laughs> messy, uh, full, full of people in overalls. No, it's very yep. pristine and, 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 uh, and clinical and, and modern. And we need to get that story out that Australian manufacturing is alive, is well, uh, and is... Um, uh, is is good if you're young. If you want to get into it, this is the right the right industry to get into. This is where the fun is, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, we'll come back in uh, in a second. Uh, you mentioned before about uh, new uh, new centres around the place. Um, we're going to go to Penrith next week, and Penrith is going to be close to the new city of Bradfield. I don't know if you've heard about Bradfield, but it's going to be a whole new whole new centre of excellence for manufacturing and all sorts of stuff. So I'm looking forward to. Just to seeing that. Have you been aware of the city, of the new city? This is the, I've actually, the new airport. I've been out there several times and I've been on the advisory team for the New South Wales State Governor around what they call the Advanced Manufacturing Research Facility. Yeah, yeah. The AMRF is going to be an exciting project. Uh, so good, new, yeah. new buildings going up, but uh, need the right equipment as well. Uh, one of the key things that I often say to various state government representatives around the country is it's all well and good to have a nice shiny building, but we need to get the right people involved. So. I, I'm one of these people that likes to do the doing. So how do we do the doing and get the right people involved into this mix uh, so it's not just a, an empty building sitting with shiny new machines? But what's the answer? How do you? Yeah, well, for me, it's always this collaboration. So getting people involved, bringing the researchers together, showing what can be done. Um, if you think about um, the projects that you mentioned at the Advanced Manufacturing Growth Centre, you can have a look at their website and see some of the um, outstanding results that, are, that keep coming through. Um, so collaboration is always a key driver. Um, but when you bring these great minds together, uh, and you know some of these business leaders are very good at what they do, but if you can um, bring them together with some of these world-leading researchers right here in Australia, uh, and they, they work out what they can do together, uh, sometimes it just really accelerates. Unbelievable, isn't it? All right, when we come back, let's talk about AUKUS and space. If you have supply chain or business improvement challenges, contact AI Group's Business Improvement and Growth Hub. The Big Hub is a library of practical and relevant resources designed to assist member businesses to grow and improve. The Big Hub also includes an extensive network of experienced, pre-qualified business improvement consultants. 
For more details, contact big at aigroup.com.au. That's big at aigroup.com.au. So, Michael, uh, before the break, we're talking about AUKUS and we're talking about space. You know, you know, it would be hard to imagine someone who doesn't know what AUKUS is, but let's assume there's some listeners who have forgotten. What's AUKUS? So AUKUS is the new security pact between Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States. AUKUS. Um, it really has started around the submarines and how Australia can secure a new model of submarine uh, to, defend, to defend our country. Um, so there's a lot of a power of work going on behind the scenes at the moment around what does that look like? Um, what sort of uh, submarine capability will we need in Australia? What skills will we need to acquire? Uh, what training will we need to implement uh, to make submarines? Uh, but AUKUS is much more than that. It's already expanding into things like cybersecurity and artificial intelligence, um, quantum computing. Uh, Michelle Simmons at UNSW um, has her company uh, doing great things in the field of quantum computing. And so Australia has this opportunity now through the AUKUS partnership, which they also call the forever partnership uh, between the UK, the US and here in Australia. Um, you're hearing things like uh, an AUKUS passport to allow people to move between our three countries um, to build those capabilities and, and create new technologies that are world-beating. Um, so the opportunity that Australia now has in front of it I don't think we've seen for a very long time. And this is not just for the next generation of people coming through. I think you're going to see AUKUS, um, the partnership itself will grow for many decades to come. And the technology, we probably can't even imagine yet, mate. The term of forever partnership is, is nice, but I'd be remiss to not ask your thoughts on is it really forever? When the uh, agreement was signed, uh, Scott Morrison was the Prime Minister of Australia, no longer the Prime Minister of Australia, uh, and a different political party. Boris Johnson was the Prime Minister of England, no longer the, the, uh, the Prime Minister of England. And senators in the United States are questioning whether or not the AUKUS is the best way to go. Are you confident that this is moving forward? I guess I'm very close to it, so you could say I'm a little biased, but from my angle and my perspective, I think it's very strong and I think the opportunities will only continue to grow. I think this is um, so exciting for the three countries, but certainly for Australia to boost our capabilities. Uh, this is a unique partnership which will only strengthen over time. We've got a great history between the three countries. Of course we do. Um, Australia has stood side by side, shoulder to shoulder in every conflict uh, for the last 100 years with the Americans. Um, of course, we know our history with the United Kingdom. Um, this is a good basis to come from, but it's a good basis to build for the future. So, yeah, I, I'm very confident in what we can do. And as I say, it will be much more than just submarines. The submarine technology, I know the federal government's getting ready to make a major announcement in the next six to eight weeks. Um, and it's already being said that this will be transformational for the country. It will take a whole of nation effort uh, to defend and set up defences for Australia. You've heard the Defence Minister talking about the capabilities for building the submarines in Adelaide and Osborne. Um, so there's a lot of uh, work going on behind the scenes. These reports will be published in the very near future, and then we should all be ready for action. So again, like you and I have been touching on, how can we build these resources? How can we build uh, the capability? How can we, even you and I, James, how can we bring people together to be, want, to, want to be a part of this action? 
And that's the point of us going to Penrith to talk about the AI Group Defence Supplier Network. But enough of the ads. Um, let's be serious. Many business people listening to this will say that's all very good, Michael and James, but defence is too hard to get into. It's too, you can't crack the nut. Uh, as opposed to that, uh, Treasurer Jim Chalmers said on Sunday, I think it was on Sunday, uh, a couple of Sundays ago, sorry, uh, uh, on Sky, he said, I'll quote, there is a 13% increase in defence spending across the forward estimates, and we currently spend $57 billion, billion with a B, in the defence budget. We expect defence spending to grow very strongly. We're spending 2% of GDP, and that's rising. It's one of the fastest growing areas of spending in the budget. Now, this is not about increasing the number of troops in uniform, nor is it about you know, giving them expensive meals. This is about building the Australian defence industry. Why is it so hard to get into defence, and can manufacturers and fabricators really get in, into defence, or is that just pie in the sky? Well, we talked about Varley before, and again, that's a generational family business that does now operate in defence. Um, so yes, it does happen. Um, there's so much more opportunity for more companies to get involved. And there's organisations like the AR Group that can hold people's hand and show them the pathway through. So I, I know that's a good thing. Um, but again, if we can show case studies and show examples of these Australian companies that are already leading the way, uh, people can then come in and be part of that action. And so I look forward to being with you at the event in Penrith, but I think we should do many more of them. Uh, remembering that the AUKUS forum that I've established will be much more, AUKUS itself will be much more than just submarines. So start thinking about cybersecurity and the high-skilled jobs that can be developed there. And then the ability for the kids coming through to potentially go and work in the US or the UK as part of their career path um, suddenly becomes a, a whole different ball game to what's currently available. Um, and quantum computing, uh, we haven't seen anything yet. So uh, we're just on the cusp of a whole transformation there as well. So the uh, opportunities coming down the pipeline very fast um, are outstanding, and we should be promoting every part of that to be involved and support uh, the next generation coming through. Yeah, there's a, a great story that Chris Hess from um, Lockheed Martin tells uh, of uh, a, a company he met in Melbourne, or I think it's Moorabbin, who makes bearings for tractors, have done for mm -hmm. a long time. And over a 10-year journey, he got them into defence and now they're supplying bearings for satellites. So yep. from factors in Australia to satellites out of um, out of Florida, I think. Great story, great success story, but there's many of those. And, yes, you can uh, deal in defence if you're a good company. It's all about making sure that you're good. Well, James, it's across the board too. Think about companies like Bissaloy uh, down on the south coast of oh, New South yeah. Wales doing steel, new technology in steel making. Um, who you know, we're going to need a lot of steel for submarines, aren't we? But our shipbuilding as well, uh, and so much more. So, if we can have this new technology uh, in steel making and then export that technology and grow local jobs here in Australia, that's the benefit we see from developing the technology here at home, but then having the capability to export that know how and those products around the world. Uh, one of the great projects I was involved with over the last few years uh, was um, bringing some uh, female founders together and uh, we need more women in manufacturing, there's no doubt. Um, but Penny Crawford is in Gunnedah in regional New South Wales, and she has a company called Crawford Boots. She manufactures uh, rubber gum boots for the mining sector. And I said to her, um, would you be w willing to be part of a collaborative project? Uh, have you thought about recycling the rubber gum boots and, and what else could be done? 
And so I was able to connect her to Professor Veena Sahajwala, uh, who's a, a leader in, in the research uh, world and developing green steel technology. Uh, the project that came out of that is with Mollycop Steel in Newcastle. So a green steel project uh, that technology is being developed to recycle rubber tyres and now Crawford boots, their rubber gum boots, into the steel-making process, um, a circular economy project with an outcome that can be exporting that technology globally. So these are the opportunities that are coming down the line uh, and then has a part to play in defence projects because there's no doubt we're going to need more steel and we should be able to make more steel here in Australia. We export so much iron ore to the rest of the world, so why don't we set up more production here and see what technology comes with it because when we bring people together, whether they're uh, a female found-up starter company in regional Australia uh, to a world-leading researcher in Sydney uh, with a global steel-making company in Newcastle, this is showing what's possible and what's happening on the ground as we speak. Yeah, I think that's the lesson from what you've been saying is that the answer to the future of Australian industry, the answer to the future of Australian manufacturing of manufacturing in defence industry is collaboration. It's working with yeah. uh, researchers, it's working with industry groups. It's trying not to do it on your own because it's too big, a, too big an equation. We need to come together as a country to build an industry. I, I think that's the real message of, of this decade. And it sounds like uh, you are able to argue that very well. Well, I'm going to be spreading the news around the AUKUS forum because there's so many people reaching out and wanting to be partners in, in what we're developing. And so the more we can bring uh, people together, including teachers and, and researchers with a whole range of industry across all those sectors of submarines to cyber and quantum and, and there'll be more, uh, if we can develop that ecosystem and bring people together, um, we'll be part of that. So I think you and I are going to be doing a lot more together over the next 12 months, mate. There is a challenge there, and, I, and I'd be remiss of me not to mention that. I think it was uh, Admiral Chris Barry. Gee, I hope I got that right. I mean, it's, that's his name. I, I hope it's the right speaker. Uh, who I heard explain that uh, in Australia, we don't really have a nuclear industry. The submarines we're talking about are nuclear-powered. Uh, the Americans and other countries have been are now in probably fourth or fifth generation of an industry, as in like father to son to daughter to father, you know, like five generations of people working in um, and building a nuclear industry. We don't have one. We've got a few things at Lucasites. So there is an opportunity to build it, but it's also a challenge to get up to speed fast enough. I'm surprised to hear you so confident about it. You think we can get there quickly? We need to start training people. We need to develop education courses. We need to develop unis. It's a big challenge, uh, Michael. The skills part of it, certainly, we need to start upskilling many more people and the submarine project itself will be a driver of that. Um, so that's, that's good in itself. But the nuclear indus industry in general is a global industry. And so just because we don't currently have uh, a lot going on here in Australia doesn't mean that our Australian manufacturers can't be part of those global supply chains. And so I've been bringing those people together and connecting them to companies like Rolls-Royce in the UK like New Scale Power in Seattle, and looking at how uh, Australian ingenuity can play a part in this new technology being developed. The nuclear industry itself keeps evolving. New technologies keep coming out. Um, new standards are being developed and embraced by these great new companies. We have Bill Gates in Australia right now as we speak. I'm not sure if you saw him at the tennis last night. He was down there at the Melbourne 
Australian Open. Um, but Bill Gates is heavily involved in the nuclear industry uh, in the United States and, and a great advocate for what can be done. So I think we're going to hear a lot more about that. Um, but again, this AUKUS partnership will play a key role in being enabling technology and uh, knowledge transfer between Australia, the UK and the US. Um, but it's much more, isn't it? Because we're seeing things like the free trade agreements now with Australia and India. And so our friends in various countries are going to be playing more and more important part in Australia's future. Um, there's so much great opportunities having now because we do have such a great country. We do have some great minds in research. We certainly have some fabulous manufacturers. And so if we can really push that home and say to the powers to be that uh, we need to unlock this potential, I think that we can do that. <laughs> this has been a great chat. You've, you've surprised me. I thought we were going to talk about advanced manufacturing in AUKUS to a degree, but we've moved into space, we've moved into research, we've moved into uh, uh, AI and cybersecurity and propulsion systems. There is a lot going on. I love the passion that you're, that you're projecting as to the future for Australia. There are some, some challenges, certainly, but it sounds like you're one of, the, uh, one, of the, one of the apostles. You believe that we can do this, and I, I, I love that. I look forward to catching up with you next, next week. What's, what's the, how do people find out more about what you're doing? So uh, certainly with my family business through the Sharp family office, we've got a lot going on there right now. Uh, the AUKUS Forum, as I say, is developing with new partners coming on board. And so I'll look forward to keeping you updated with all that. Um, but people should get on board and have a look at uh, the story we're building on LinkedIn uh, and be a part and get involved. If there's people out there that want to, people out there that want to publish. Is that your name on LinkedIn or do you use, uh, is there another LinkedIn page we should follow? No, they should connect to me on LinkedIn and uh, uh, Michael Sharp on Twitter. Um, more than happy to share resources. And if people have got uh, items they'd like to publish, um, we're more than happy to uh, look at that. So we're more than happy for more people to get involved because the more we can collaborate and share this journey together, uh, it just opens up more opportunities, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Collaboration. Other countries do it very well, by the way, Michael. Uh, we have not, we've tended to compete, which is a bit silly when it's a small, small country, big landmass, small country. We need to collaborate. I think it's important, and your podcast is, is really a great tool because I know it's growing month by month, which is just fantastic. But to be able to bring people together on this medium and get it to the powers to be, you know, if we can talk to state and federal governments about what, what needs to be done and what could be done if they can unlock the potential, uh, this is important. So I hope the people that are listening can really uh, hear the exciting stories that are happening in Australian manufacturing today. It is broad by its nature. I mean, we did not have the Australian Space Agency only three or four years ago. Uh, we did not have um, quantum computing at its level now. We didn't have the AUKUS partnership. So there's a lot of new initiatives underway and the smart people are getting involved with that right now. And we're going to see a lot of change over the next 12 months. But I think over the next 10 years, Australia will be transformed. In our last uh, podcast, Paul, uh, Paul Hudson spoke of how we stood up uh, uh, oil and gas industry from basically, well, not from basically, from zero to being a world leader in 20 years. To a, a nanosecond, we went from, from nowhere to a world leader. This one's even bigger, but we can do big. Uh, uh, big is what we do. Oh, absolutely. I support a company called Lava who have developed hydrogen storage technology with researchers out of UNSW. Uh, they work with solar panels and other battery storage technology uh, for the green economy. And you're going to hear a lot more about the green economy around the world. 
Um, so again, if we can have this technology embraced by Australian manufacturing, if we can cut energy costs and if we can embrace green energy into the Australian manufacturing supply chain, uh, this will also be transformational because if we can get that green tick on more of our products, that will help us around the world. As Australia, as Australian made, we are respected globally. People will pay a premium for our products because they know that we have the standards and the technology and know-how to make a good product. Um, but this green economy that's really building now, uh, if we can embrace more technologies and be a part of that, uh, it will just drive the Australian economy forward much more. Yep. Uh, exciting what's going on as we uh, decarbonise and head towards the green economy. Exciting what's happening as we build a defence industry in Australia uh, and the opportunities that are coming out as we exit the COVID era where infrastructure and all sorts of things are happening is exciting. Uh, and as business people, we need to think about how we can maximise that, uh, this idea about aligning industries, starting in one industry and finding revenue streams in another that you highlighted. Uh, I thought that was just a fab some fabulous stories. It's been a great chat. Thank you for your time and thanks for sharing. Look forward to seeing you in Penrith. And let's talk again. Let's get you back on the, on the show and talk about as AUKUS uh, unfolds. Thanks, Mike. Great to join you, James. Thanks, mate. Uh, and for everyone listening, by the way, Michael Sharp is with an E, S-H-A-R-P-E on, on, on LinkedIn. Uh, and if you're not following me on LinkedIn, well, then you're just crazy. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you, Michael. Look, that's, the, that's it for another episode of Supply Circles. Thanks again to everyone listening for your feedback and your thoughts on, on last fortnight um, interview with Paul Hudson. A great feedback. Uh, and it's always a pleasure to get your, your thoughts. If you do have any feedback on today's interview uh, or ideas for the show, or you just want to just tell me that I'm a nut, do so. Hit me up at james.scotland with one T, same as the country, james.scotland at aigrip.com.au or at my LinkedIn page. We'd love to hear from you. And before you go, hey, listen, if you're having trouble with your apprenticeships and traineeships, why not contact AI Group's Apprenticeship and Trainee Centre? With over 15,000 apprentices and trainee placements and thousands of engaged businesses, AI Group's ATC has a proven track record of success. They know that for many employers, choosing an apprenticeship can be a bit like taking a stab in the dark. It's tough to get it right. So the ATC provides a vigorous selection process to ensure a good fit with your business. And the way they manage apprenticeships is designed to ensure you get a return. Think of it, and I love this, as a placement that delivers productivity. So if you're looking for a hassle-free apprenticeship and traineeship process, contact AI Group's Apprenticeship and Trainee Centre on 1300 761 944. That's 1300 761 944. And that's it for today. We'll be back in a fortnight with more insights into the keys to building sustainable supply chains. Thanks for joining me. I'm James Scotland. Bye for now.